0: The following is a message at Living Savior Church in Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. To learn more, go to lsavior.org. It's one of the most important financial decisions you ever make. You know what those kind of decisions are like, don't you? Ever since you became a grown-up, you've been deciding how to use money Uh, on an everyday basis and some of those decisions have a have a huge impact for instance when I finish high school will I will I go to college will I find a job right away will I join the the military and and if I go to college or find a job right away or join the military what are the financial implications or this person that I want to spend the rest of my life with when I marry her how are we going to manage money wise or should I go on renting or should I buy a home and and what's the affordability on on on, on either of those situations or if I if I if I go out and find a new job will i have what's needed to support myself and my my family or should i be setting aside money for retirement and and when i retire where will i or we live and and what are the financial implications of that really important questions right they call for some Time and some thought, and and some advice from others, and, and certainly prayer that the Lord will provide wisdom. Here's one more Of all that God has given me, how much will I give away for the earthly and eternal benefit of others? You see any issues with that last question? I, I can see two right away. For one, we don't naturally think that way. You know, the, the 15-year-old who, who gets 20 bucks from grandpa, his first thought is not, and how am I going to share this with my brother? Now his first and often last thought is, "How can this benefit me, and how quickly can that happen?" Likewise, the the fifty year old who, who receives twenty thousand dollars from a an investment that pays off, her first thought is now, "Who am I going to give this to?" No, her her first thought typically is. What can this do for me and for mine? In fact, that's often her last thought. I'll pose the question again. Of all that God gives me, how much will I give away to benefit the earthly and eternal need of of others? Problem number one with that we don't think that way naturally. Problem number two is is the the order in which I asked it I, in other words, when I ask that question, I ask all kinds of other questions first as, as if to imply first all those other things need to be dealt with you know my my schooling and my job and my marriage and my 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 housing and my my family's needs and my retirement. First all that needs to be taken care of and, and then I'll start thinking about, yeah, what, what can I still afford to give away? Which is just the opposite. Just the opposite of of what the Lord is is rearranging our thinking and our faith for. Uh, you and I are going to listen to God's word today and, and, and allow him to do that. Allow him to sort of turn around our thinking completely and sustain our faith so that giving to others to benefit others becomes the, the highest privilege when it has to do with our, our finances. The second of the scripture readings, you, you, you may know that situation really well. 5,000 men gathered on a Galilean hillside overlooking a lake those 5000 men plus one of the writers says their 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 wives their moms their grandmas their their daughters their their boys the, a, a crowd that may have been 10,000 or even 15,000 people and they're hungry St. Mark has pointed out that as the day began they they were following Jesus and they figured out he'll, he'll be in this place so they quickly left where they were living and without thinking about grabbing something for lunch or or grabbing something for for, for supper they, they wanted to get to this place because they wanted to be where Jesus was they wanted to benefit from his compassion and and be blessed by his healing, and 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 listen to him, teaching God's kingdom with the authority of God himself. Except now, as Saint Mark tells the account, uh, the sun is beginning to settle in the west. Uh, Jesus' disciples, maybe it's Philip and Nathaniel. They. They, they tap Jesus on the shoulder while he's teaching, sidling up to him and saying, Rabbi, it's getting kind of late. Send these people away to the nearby towns and villages so they can buy enough to eat. It's a reasonable request. And Jesus gives a, a reasonable response. He says, you give them something to eat. The, Philip and Nathaniel, or maybe it's Peter and Andrew, they, they don't see this as reasonable at all. They, they, they look at the vast crowd and they quick do some math and they figure, well, it would take a wages of a year and a half in order to feed a, a crowd so huge. So then Jesus provides what they can give. Uh, under his direction, he he has the, the crowd settle down in the hillside and, in orderly groups of hundreds and fifties. It's just the opposite of chaos. Uh, he determines from his disciples that they have on hand the, the five loaves and the two little fish. He pauses and looks up to heaven and gives thanks to the Heavenly Father for providing this meal. Then he multiplies the the loaves and he multiplies the fish. He helps his disciples have enough and way more than enough so that they can give others what they need. It's interesting imagining Nathaniel and Philip or or Peter and Andrew moving through the crowd and handing everybody something to eat and 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 you know they're thanking Peter and Andrew and Nathaniel and Philip and 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 those men are saying no this is this is clearly from the Lord but they get to see the the smiles and hear the gratitude of of maybe people they recognize and 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 mostly people who are strangers to them. They, they distribute enough of this bread and fist so that everybody's satisfied. And then each of them, the all 12 disciples, they, they each walk through the crowd with, with a basket and they, and they fill their own basket with leftovers. In other words, enough for themselves for a week or longer. Shortly after this, St. Mark regrettably tells us that what Jesus was showing didn't sink in. He tells us they didn't understand the lesson of the loaves and the fish. Their their hearts were hardened against this. Pretty sad, but natural thinking is is always fearful and faithless and and doubting and, and just hardened to the truth. You and I struggle with natural thinking as well. We too wonder, will the Lord be able to provide for, for so many from what appears to be so little? Not possible. And, and, and can the Lord still have plenty? If I give so much away, can, can the Lord still have plenty left over for me and my needs? Not possible not possible unless the Lord himself is so compassionate and so merciful and so powerful not possible to even think that it's possible except that the Lord paid a tremendous price to to purchase forgiveness for our our fears and our our doubts and and, and, and our faithlessness Not. Possible f- to even consider the possibility unless we remember again that all things are possible for the Heavenly Father who promises to provide our daily bread. St. Paul wrote two lengthy epistles to the brothers and sisters at Corinth. At the end of the first epistle, he provides some guidance for giving. You, you see, the the believers at Corinth they learned that their brothers and sisters at Jerusalem were suffering because of a famine. Perhaps there was a drought, meager harvest, and if there was any distribution of food locally by the government, these Christians were were only being Persecuted by the government, so they decide on their own at Corinth. They want they want to they want to give a special offering and and send it to Jerusalem. And, And Paul, at the end of the first letter to them, provides some guidance. He says, "Each of you believers, set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, and then gather what each of you has given and entrust it to reliable men to to take it to Jerusalem." Now, this second letter, and the gift is still being gathered, he he reminds them how much they've been blessed by the Lord. He writes, you excel in everything. You excel in faith, in how you speak, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in in the love we've kindled in you that you should also excel in this, this grace of giving. For God's people, giving to benefit others first is, is not a, a heavy burden or a demanding chore. It's, it's not, oh, no, I suppose I got to do this or I'll feel bad if I don't. No, it's a grace. It's a privilege. And it it follows the the greater grace, which Paul wrote about. He, he told his readers, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. You know that grace very well. With love that we sinners could never have deserved. Jesus gave away everything. He gave away his heavenly glory as the Son of God. He gave away his dignity. He gave away his freedom. He gave away his life so that through his giving, you and I have peace with God and the confidence that our Father is always going to provide for all of our needs of body and soul. And now this terrific passage, also from 2 Corinthians, the one we read earlier in the service. Words not just for your brothers and sisters at, at Corinth, but for, for you and all your brothers and sisters uh, in, in your circle and in your church. As you recognize that God is the creator and the owner of everything that exists, as you watch him feed thousands with just five loaves of bread and two little fish, as you observe how this earth's population, though it is increasing now to 8 billion people, Nevertheless, the food that the Lord is providing is beyond imagination for for those 8 billion people. And maybe more simply, as you look back on your own days and years and see how you personally have been given not just what you need, but more, sometimes a little more, sometimes a lot more, than what Paul writes here, rings absolutely true. God is capable of blessing you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll overflow with every sort of good work. The first hymnal of the early Christians was the Bible's book of psalms they sang the psalms so frequently that they they knew many if not most of them by heart perhaps you're not familiar as they once were so what you don't recognize the the two lines that the apostle is quoting here in this passage verse 9 of second corinthians chapter 9 He's quoting from Psalm 112. That's a song, that's a psalm about grateful believers responding to God's generosity by being generous themselves. Here's a a fuller sampling of that psalm They have no fear of bad news, their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord, their hearts are secure. They have no fear. They have freely gathered their, scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. You realize that? We scatter our, 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 our gifts of righteousness and our deeds like, like a farmer scattering seed in his field. We give that to the benefit of those who have less than we have and what we've done endures forever. Jesus said so. St. Matthew chapter 25. At the resurrection on the last day, the Lord has taught that he won't remember your shortcomings and your sins. He'll choose to forget your faults and your failings instead he says he'll remember the good things you did for the least of his brothers and sisters how you you scattered your gifts to to feed the hungry to provide clothing and shelter for those who needed it how you gave help to the stranger how you sh- how you looked after the sick and and imprisoned The Lord Jesus will remember how you shared your abundance to meet the earthly and eternal needs of others. He'll remember that and remind you of that privilege. When it comes to giving, Christians frequently hear from their leaders about tithing, about how you should give one-tenth of what you receive. You should give 10% of your income. You don't hear much about that from this particular pastor or from Living Savior's other pastor, not because we're afraid of the notion. In fact, giving a percentage of one's income that seems to make sense if, if, if you and I, we, we give in keeping with our income, 1 Corinthians 16. And yet the tithe, uh, the 10%, that, that was an ordinance for the people who lived before Christ came. That was a, a law from God for Israelites who, who needed guidance for their giving before Christ came and, 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 and rearranged the way people think. So now you choose, you choose to give 3% or 5% or 8% or you choose to give 10% or 15% as a, as each a stepping stone toward being even more generous toward, toward others. Is giving and keeping with your income kind of intimid- intimidating? It is if you're kind of new to it. I mean, the thought that runs through the mind is, what if, what if someday there's some crisis and I, and, and I really need what I've given away? Or, or if I give so much away, how can, I, how can I provide some sort of a financial fortress to myself, for myself that'll, that'll give me security no matter what happens? To everyone who struggles with those worries, your savior God proves again and again that he's capable of giving everything you need, and then some. Not so that you can luxuriate in every luxury, not so that you can please yourself with every expense of pleasure, and certainly not so that you can buy into the fallacy that someday you can surround yourself with enough enough investments and enough money that you'll be secure no matter what occurs. But here's what the Savior God promises. The words of St. Paul, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Worth repeating, isn't it? You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. In our community, there are agencies that provide food for the hungry and clothing and shelter for those who need clothing and shelter. There are agencies that help addicts handle their addictions, that that teach people how to speak english or how to read that that counsel the, the unemployed so that they can present themselves well at a job interview that that help those who are in prison or recently released from prison there are agencies that help people recover from illness that that provide foster care for children affiliated with our church body there are even more agencies agencies that that help protect the lives of the not-yet-born and, and, and assi- provide assistance for their mothers. There are agencies that send relief all over the world to those victimized by natural disaster. There are agencies that, that dig wells in Asia and Africa that provide medical care in, in remote places. It's a challenge with so many to choose from what do you give to? No, you can't give to every agency that that calls you on the phone or that sends you something in the mail or by email. So you investigate. You read their literature. You check out how they're reviewed online. You, you talk to somebody who has experience with them. You you volunteer if you can so that you, you see personally how they operate. And then, satisfied that you've found a good one, you recognize God is so capable, you can be generous in every way. Don't the same principles apply to the offerings you give at Living Savior or at your own church, wherever that is? Before and afterwards, you're, you're always investigating the teachings and the doings of your church. You're, you're listening to, to the preaching and, and, and trying to determine, is this God's message? You're, you're examining how the church operates to, to determine whether what's being done pleases God in keeping with his word. Does it bring Christ to people? Does it bring his salvation to others, free of charge? Is, is the Lord honored with what happens in this particular family of believers? You investigate. And then, if at some point you're satisfied that you've you found a good church, if you're even excited by what's happening there, then, then you and I give offerings in response to God's generosity toward us we do that assured that God is capable of blessing us abundantly so that in all times in all things having all that we need each of us will overflow with every sort of good work and then what results People give thanks to God. They may not even recognize what you or I have given. No matter. They give thanks to God for what he's given to them now, and especially for what he's given them in Christ eternally.